Hello, Sky friends, and welcome to Seasons of Skyrend, Book 3. We're a custom 5e D&D adventure that focuses on the stories of our characters as they explore their impact on the world and how the world responds in turn. I am your host and DM, Scott, and you can find me on Twitter at TheScottBlake. Hi, I'm Chris. I play Iolana Makani, the Air Genasi Mystic, and you can find me at Killer on Twitter. Hi, my name is Nate. I play Darwin Grimm, the Human Monk, and you can find me at Skyren underscore Nate on Twitter. Hi, I'm Shannon. I play Aranis Gray, also known as Gray the Great to my fans, and the Bard of the Bard's Rebellion. I am a half-elf bard, and you can find me at Skyren underscore Shannon on Twitter. And you can find the show on Twitter at Skyren Podcast. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Head on over to find out about bonus chapters, early access, NPC creation, and more. Now then, thank you for joining us, and please enjoy this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. As Vale rests in the plush chair, enjoying a sense of comfort and peace they have been denied for far too long, Darvin, Iolana, and Aranis are also locked in this room with an almost completely withered Sicarius. Adriana Baufall, now totally lost, stands in front of Aranis in a pose of weak embrace. The smooth stone walls, elegant furnishings, and the pile of treasure belie the true nature of your cell, but none so much as the oversized painting of Aranis and M caught in mid-performance. Darvin's now ghostly leg no longer fully conceals the sword he had installed within, but it does nothing to slow him down. The intense pain he felt when last entering the Grayscape hasn't returned, but there are erratic sensations of dull pain. Beyond this room, there is only silence. What do you do? Vale continues to sleep. I would like to formally apologize to everybody for that painting and how it got here. I hate that guy so much. Wait, now you hate him? I don't know that I hate him. He just he creeps me out, man. As, as Arnis says, this Vale continues to sleep. And an intrigued Iolana takes up her notebook. And begins to like quietly take notes about Vale and their current state. Hmm. Darvin, what about you? I'm going to start looking around the room to see if I can find some indication, at least, of means of exit. I mean, if you want to look for an exit, yes, there's a door there. It has definitely been locked. There's a small barred window about the size of a face, eight to ten inches wide and tall. It's set in the door about about eye level. Isn't there isn't there a door? I mean, are we locked? Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the door. The barred window is in the door. Sorry. Is it locked from the other side? I mean, it is locked, and there's not like a a latch or a a turning mechanism on this side. Oh, there's not a key on this side. It is locked, and it does not open when you push it. Oh, or pull it. Either way, it's not opening. Oh. I don't think I realized we were in like an escape room. Yeah. (laughs) What did you think you were in? Just like a box? I don't know. I thought it was like locked from this side to protect us, not locked from the other side to protect everyone else. (laughs) I was unclear. Now I'm not. Mm -hmm. There would be a way to unlock it from this side if we had the key, correct? Yes, absolutely. The door's locked. There is a keyhole on this side. You do not have the key. What's the door made of? A pretty sturdy wood. Lick it and find out. (laughs) Well, no, but do you think we could just kick the shit out of it? Or like burn it? That's one way to get through a locked door. Can anyone make fire? You also have a girl who can turn herself into mist in the room. And the rogue who can pick locks in the room. Just just saying. So I think maybe our best plan is to... Wake up Vale. No, don't wake up Vale. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, let Vale sleep. When Vale wakes up, we'll deal with the door. Right now, we should go look through that giant pile of treasure that's sitting over uh, there. So Vale doesn't know about the treasure. Okay, I got you. Vale saw the treasure. I mean, it's not that like I don't like I don't care if Vale knows, but I think that that would be a good use of our time. And then once Vale wakes up, we can figure out what to do with the door. Fair. Okay. Yeah. Over on that dresser, just underneath the giant portrait of Aranus and M, there's a pile of treasure. It is gold, it is jewels, it is necklaces, it is rings. It is all very well crafted. Hmm. It is a small fortune. Hmm. Hmm. Nice. So if there's anything you want to wear, by all means, pick it out of the pile and put it on. If there's anything you want to pocket, take it now. There's I mean, more than what fits in your pockets. We're not particularly lacking in money, aren't we? You know how much money I got paid uh, by that dude? I remember spending all our money, but then you got paid. It okay. was a lot of money. All right, all right. But also, we have our money back now, theoretically. I don't, I don't think you've asked Vale about it yet. But I don't know how much yeah. Vale was spending in Quorum's realm. It's an expensive place. <laughs> I, I haven't asked. I, I feel it's crass to ask such a question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, 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 please. Please, first conversation since you've come through. Let that be the beginning of it. Yes, please wake <laughs> up Vale and be the first question. Where's our money? <laughs> but yeah, is, do you want to take any of this treasure? Do you want to wear any of it? Do you want to hide any of it? Do you want to burn it? I mean, it's not wood, but you could light it on fire still. Melt it down, smelt it into a weapon remove any curses oh shoot i don't know that spell (laughs) in any case i would like to do an arcana check on this like pile of stuff just to see if it's cursed i don't know how specific i can be with an arcana check okay because it's not like i have detect magic or anything i just yeah that's the great thing if you don't have detect magic or identify and you just want to do a nice arcana check on a big pile of money and jewels. It'll be really dependent on what you roll as to how much information you get. Cool. So go for it. Well, I will then. Okay. Mm-hmm. First roll the new die. Let's see if these dice are awesome or if they <laughs> suck. Oh, these dice suck. <laughs> Well, at least it's an arcana check. (laughs) Yeah, first roll of the new dice, crit fail. Ooh, ouch. (laughs) I mean, it's still a nine, but it doesn't count because it's a crit fail. Mm -hmm. Because everything should always have a chance to crit fail. I don't care what uh, Wizards of the Coast says. Oh, really? Is there a thing about that? Yeah. Yeah, Technically, you can't crit fail a skill check. Yeah, you can't crit or crit fail on a skill check or a saving throw. It's only for attack rolls. Oh, come on. Where's the fun in that? Exactly. Exactly. Where's the fun in that? If you can't, because like by the time you're at your level now, if you're doing something that you're good at, like a crit fail is, yeah, pretty, like you're not even great at Arcana and it's a nine. If that had been a performance check, like that would have been like still very good. It would have been a 14. Yeah, see? <laughs> But you should still be able to crit fail. Yeah, even professionals have bad nights or where a night where their equipment fails them. (laughs) (laughs) That's the equipment having a crit fail, not the professional. Yeah, well, your equipment doesn't roll dice. That is true. I should hope not. That'd be a really weird game. Well, M might, if you really want to lean into the M factor. Anyways. (sighs) Okay, so with that roll, you're looking over this pile of treasure. And it is all perfectly mundane. So we're good? It is a small fortune there for the taking. Seems like it. Cool. I pick up something shiny. What do you pick up? Uh, a ring. Ooh. Is there anything in this ring? Is it engraved? Oh, I, I don't know. I just pick up like the first thing with a stone in it that I see. Ooh, so there is something in it. What color is the stone in this ring? Purple. Purpley purple. Is this an amethyst or is this a charoid? <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with amethyst because I can't pronounce the other one. <laughs> Fair. And if I hadn't just been looking at those less than a day ago, I would not have known of their existence. Mm-hmm. 
Would you say this is a beefy ring or a delicate ring? Ooh, I'm going to go with pretty delicate, just given <laughs> like Arnis's sensibilities. You don't need that ring slowing your fingers down while you're no. playing your music. No, can't have it weighing me down, man. <laughs> Which finger do you wear it on? I think this will say a lot more about you than anything else. <laughs> what finger does that fancy ring go on? She's strumming, figuring out where it won't interfere. Where it like won't interfere with my with my lute playing. Usually the strum hand, right? It's kind of what I'm thinking. Thinking like the pointer finger of my Ooh. strumming hand. Okay. Chris is annoyed with me because he wants it to be my middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> well, see here. I wasn't even thinking about like the mechanics of how it might interfere with the strumming from a location perspective. I was just like, oh, if you wear this on your pinky, that says something. If it's on your thumb, that's something else. If it's on sure your like does. actual ring finger, people might start to think you've got a special someone. But yeah, okay, pointer finger. You're wearing a very fine, delicate ring with an amethyst set into it. Now I feel like I want to pick up more of these shiny things, but yeah. what else is going on here? Hmm. What else are we going to do? Are, are you doing anything else besides putting on new jewelry? Not really. Just kind of waiting for Vale to wake up because I feel like they've earned their nap. Because you won't <laughs> let me kick in the door until Vale wakes up. Yeah, well, I mean, I want Vale at like full readiness before we go anywhere. Okay. Well, then let me ask, what else do people want to get done before Vale wakes up? I'll tell you what Iolana does. Yeah. Unless she is interrupted. Yolanda spends like all of her time, for lack of a better way of describing it, like taking in veil the way like a crime scene investigator would if they couldn't touch the crime scene. Constantly like looking around and like sketching things in their notebook and like making notes and you hear them go, hmm, that's interesting. And like <laughs> make a note. Like it's, if you're watching, it's kind of weird and creepy. And then when they're done, Yolanda just kind of sits down right next to Vale and begins to meditate. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So after I've done my whole like ring thing, I'm kind of watching this happen. And then after Yolanda's meditating, I go over to Darwin and I'm like, is it just me or is she getting weirder? <laughs> I mean, I don't think you're getting weirder if that's what you're asking. No, is Yolanda getting weirder? Yes, definitely. <laughs> okay. I mean, she's not, like, freaking me out yet, but, hmm. It's pretty weird. Yeah. Do you think we should, like, nap or something? <laughs> Why? Didn't we just kind of? Yeah, I feel like we did. I don't we're, really need a nap. I think we're okay. Let's just wait and see what happens. Okay. I'm just going to play a little. I'm going to use the remaining time to just noodle. Okay. As you're strumming on M, Sicarius says, I'd almost forgotten how lovely your music is. Aww. Oh, yeah. I should go talk to my sister. <laughs> I mean, not that I forgot she was there, but like, as long as we're stuck in here and like, I know she doesn't have a whole lot of time left, I should. Okay. Well, she's not moving anywhere. She can't. Yeah. So if you want to go talk to her, you have to go talk to her. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Well, go ahead. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so as I'm starting to like noodle and she says that, I just kind of like, I just kind of get up and like walk over and sit next to her and I'm still kind of playing a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I, I just kind of open up the question to her of like, of like, just tell me about your life. Like what, what was life like with with mom and who is your dad that she could acknowledge you and like just tell, I want to know everything. Gosh, who's her dad? I had to drop that question on me. I wrote it down once. Once. Sorry. Because <laughs> I thought you might ask back then, you know, when you first met and you would be like a happy family reunion, but no. <clears throat> but what was Sicarius's life like? Growing up with mom and Kropa was, you know, it was great. I had plenty of time to study and learn, explore the frost swamps and the woods. Mom was always strong. She supported me in my endeavors, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where 
no matter how much I did, no matter how much I learned or how much I helped, I could always tell that, you know, she thought I could do more, not in a bad way, but that she always kept seeing my potential. You know, she didn't want me to stop, um, which was nice. You know, dad was, he was another elf. Um, yeah, dad lived in Crowbar. He was part of the guard. He came from a, from what I know of, decent family. Um, but I don't think he like held any special position, you know. But yeah, both he and mom were, they were supportive. They, they gave me a nice childhood. They, they helped me grow and learn. You know, if I had, if I'd known you were out there, wherever you were, it would have been great to come visit you. Although, not sure if you would have wanted me there. I used to, uh, used to beg my dad to tell me anything about my mom. Anything. At all. The most I got was Wood Elf. And he would never tell me anything else. Just don't go looking. Well, she's... As far as I know, she's been serving, uh, well, most recently, the Vice Count, Alicia, as an advisor, as a confidant, you know, leading up our scouts. She was never one to shy away from, from doing what needed to be done, from a fight, from protecting someone, from, from protecting the Vice Count, the other nobility from before Alicia. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> Why is that interesting? I, it's just that you have this, I mean, and you obviously, you know her better than I do, but you have this really, I don't know, selfless image of our mom and right in regards to me and my dad, my dad, whom she claimed to love more than anything, uh, she was never anything but selfish and like whatever duties or whatever she had, right? She made room. She made room for someone else and she made room for you, but there wasn't any room for us. And that... I can't begin to speak on that. Um, no, I didn't I, I know, know. I know. She never I, spoke of it. And it, it's it's unfair of me to to put that on you because it's it's not your fault and it's it's nothing to do with you, right? It's It's all her. It's just... It's interesting to me to hear such a wildly different account of her than the one that's in my own head, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Well, I hope someday you'll be able to reconcile those two images you have of her. I hope so too. I feel like I feel like it might be too late for that. She can't really turn and motion up but you can see her eyes flick up towards your mother. She just kind of deep sighs. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I will tell you, though, if there's a way to fix it, I'm going to fix it. Hmm. I'm glad to hear that. I'd help if I could. No, I wouldn't ask you to. You didn't do this. I did. <sighs> now who's being selfish? You should let me help. <laughs> <laughs> I think the um the road that I'm going down I would not ask anyone to follow. Okay. But I'm glad to have known you and I'm glad that you know I'm your brother. I'm glad too. And while I can if you need to if you need to come here and have a friendly ear or counsel or even just someone to sit with <laughs> that's that's pretty much what I can do now. While I can. Thank you. Is there anything else here? Nope. Okay. Hey, Darwin. Yes. How much were you listening in on that conversation? Oh, about half and half. <laughs> what else were you doing while Arnis was having that conversation? Mostly just casting side glances to that treasure and to <laughs> fail. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I picked up most of it, but I wasn't actively listening. Oh, I picked up most of the conversation. A lot of it. A lot of okay. it. Okay. Well, if there's nothing else we want to do before Vale wakes up, we can get to the point where Vale wakes up. Let's do it. Then I guess the only question I have before Vale wakes up is, Vale, how long are you resting for? Oh, it's a good long nap. It's, it's a good four or five hours. Okay. 
four or five hours pass as you all sit here in relative silence, other than yourselves, of course. I mean, outside it's silence. Vel wakes up. Vale, you are once again back in the world of the living. What are you doing? This um this wake up is abrupt, I think. Because of how Vale's been living, this is the first kind of sign to everyone in the room who hasn't watched them, just how their life has been. So like it's been like five hours and the room is kind of very quiet. And all that happens is someone like coughs or something really subtle. And Vale just bolts upright, their arm shoots out, and the hidden blade is out and open, pointing at the person who coughed, like, ready to attack. <laughs> Full-on right. combat mode. Alright, Darvin and Arnis, which one of you made a noise? Probably me. <laughs> no, wait, I'm the stealthy one. It was probably Arnis. It's probably, it is probably me. So, like, I've been playing and stuff, but that's really, like, soothing, mm-hmm. right? And just having a conversation, and, like, I get to the end of the thing, and I'm I'm a little, like, emotionally, like, rot and i don't think it's a cough i think it's like a like a sniffle (laughs) oh and all of a sudden i've got this thing Mm -hmm. it's not like at me oh yeah it's it's at your direction yeah no i know you're across the room from Vale, Mm -hmm. and you get that like it's it's that moment similar to you see in a lot of like intense action movies where the character just pops awake and they're like full on ready for combat and they kind of take in their surroundings and you watch them breathe a little and everything kind of come down from that high. Vale just kind of like looks around and you see the tension just kind of wash out of their body. As Vale's like waking up and the thing is like pointed at me, you can see Arnis just kind of like wide eyed, like waving like, Hey, it's just, just me. Okay. And they kind of take in everybody in the room and they're, they've hopped up out of the chair and you watch them very like practiced. They reach down and they're like on a knee and they reach back to the back of their boot and reset the blade in tension with just kind of a, a rehearsed twist of the wrist. And anybody who's like looking for it can notice like a regular divot in the back of their boot where they've been doing that. So, as they reset themselves, Fail looks at the group and says, where have you been? What are you talking about? Just wondering what took you so long. Well, we, um, uh, I mean, like, we didn't do much before we went to get you. We had to figure out where you were, and then we had to figure out if we could get there, like how you got there and if we could get there. And we were like on a hunt for information. Just to clarify, Scott, how long mm-hmm. was it from the time everything went kersplody to the time we actually went into the portal? Because after that, I know time is wonky, but like. Which kersplody are you talking about? Oh, like when I killed the God of Chaos. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Between the death of Pathox and when yeah. you re-entered the portal into the Grayscape, probably somewhere between like six and ten weeks. So okay. Two to three months. Okay. So it took us a while. We were on a hunt for resources. It took us about three months before we were finally like, this is where we need to go. This is what we're going to do to get everything in order. But after that, once we got through the portal, time went. I, I don't even know how to describe it other than time through the portal does not function the same way as time here. And so when, after we went through the portal, it was, I mean, I can't even tell you how long, so long that my sister who showed no symptoms for the first most part of what we were going through is now almost dying. And so I, I don't know how long it took us after that. Okay. Vale takes this in, looks to Darwin since Darwin has said nothing at this point, and says, it took you three months to figure out how to come through the portal? It Was it three months? It was I look three at Arnest, like, was it three months? It was three months. We didn't know that we could get to where you were through the portal. We didn't know that all we had to do was just go through the portal. When you vanished, it was in a flash of light. We didn't know where you went. 
We had no information. And the first thing we did when it was all over was ask Coram, or rather, I guess, well, it was still going on, was ask Coram. And Coram was like, we got no information. He was cryptic. Also, to be fair, something you all would not have forgotten about, you didn't know the portal was still open. Oh, that's true, too. It also took us a while to get the information that the portal was still open. We didn't know it was still there, sitting under all the rubble. Because when we, when I killed Pathox, there was a giant explosion, rubble falling everywhere. We had no idea that that portal was even down there or still active until we could get it all cleared away. And that took over a month, maybe more, maybe two, till that was cleared. Okay. I mean, I'm not making excuses but no, I'm, I'm not going to make excuses because it seems like it was a lot longer on your end than it was on ours. Am I right? Vale looks at the both of you and says, it's been nearly a year since I set foot in the realm of Corum. Oh, shit. Wow. And every day of that year was spent living in a constant state of battle. The realm of the dead is not a place for the realm of the living. And I wear the signs of that on me. What signs? It is common as changelings age for shifting to become more difficult. As I look at myself, the best I can estimate is I've aged in that one year close to 20 or 30 years. What? That rapid aging has made it impossible for me to shift. Holy crap. Which is why I ask concernedly, what took you so long? I held out hope every day for the first three months that you would come to help me. But eventually that hope withered. But if what you say is true and you spent all of your time here while I was gone trying to find a way to get to me, then I can understand the challenges you faced. We did. We also had to fight a bunch of snow people, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, they didn't make it really easy. <laughs> All them coming up. And through I the would portal. understand how it would take every day of three months to try and figure out a way to get to me and back, because it took me every day of a year to figure out a way out. I, I'm not sure what to say. I'm, I'm sorry. Why are you apologizing? You just said you spent all of your time. Since the moment I left to the moment you found me, working on trying to get me out. There's yeah. no need to apologize. Except it's, it's my fault you ended up down there in the first place. This was my quest, and it got you down there. No, I, I won't. I would never say that I didn't know that there wasn't some sort of risk involved. But if you feel that way, then you can join me on my next quest. Which is what? This life that we've been living... I can't live it like this anymore. I've gotten so diverted from my path. I need to find my way back. And to do that, I need to find her father. As Iolana gestures, or as Vale gestures with their one good arm to Iolana. Sidebar. Do we know about that yet? Because I don't feel like we do. Vale does. Yeah, does but I don't... Wait, about Huracan being captured? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we don't know about that because I don't think Iolana ever told us. Nope. Yeah, if Yolanda never told you, then no. Okay. Because she's the only one who knew. Um, what? Mm -hmm. And at this, Vale looks to Yolanda and says, this is not my quest to share. You know you have my blade because of what you've told me, and I will follow you to find your father, but it is your story to tell. And rather than share it herself, because... Yolana finds this whole situation between the three of you very interesting and is taking <laughs> rapid notes the whole time. She just looks to Vale and says, you may, you may tell them what you've learned. And Vale continues, while you all were transitioning from the grayscape to the realm of the dead, Yolana witnessed her father imprisoned in a flute by Mistress Sengal. <sighs> Shit. Someone has my leg too, by the way. And they're hurting me. Ah, oh, shit. Do you know what they look like? Mm, I forget. Scott, do I know what they look like? You saw them, yeah. And one of them was captured for questioning, so. Oh, right. That's yes. Helpful. I described them. Okay. All right. A couple of well, human beings. The good news 
Bale and Iolana is, uh, I might know where they are. The bad news is that, oh, I really don't want to talk to that guy again. Vale very emotionlessly looks at you and says, there will be no talking to him. Okay. Um, I don't really have to remind you, right, what Ikiri and Mr. Sangal are capable of, right? I mean... I know you're like a like a super badass now, but they're uh they're 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 really they're really dangerous. Let me share with you something. It's not just my wrath they've decided to incur, but by imprisoning an inquisitor, they bring down the wrath of the guilt. All we need to know is where. Oh. They're probably on the crazy floating island. Well, locating a floating island could be challenging. Well, I mean, I knew where it was. Again, I knew where it was. I don't know if it's still there. So it was floating right off the shores of Capris. It was literally like off the coast of Capris. I don't know if it's still there. We've been gone, it seems, a very long time. This was a hole in the ground when we went in. So I'm not sure if the island is still there. Because they belong to... Oh, do we know that the Glamour is called the Glamour? I feel like they didn't use the name. I feel like he just said, like, my organization or something. See, I don't know if Ikiri mentioned it, but did did Levesque or Agnitai mention it? Mm. I feel like no. I kind of don't think they did. Okay. I'll take you your word for it. I might be but wrong. But you know that they belong to a very, very influential and powerful organization. Which we know is the glamour. Also, I have some. I suppose it's good news, maybe good news, bad news. I'm not. I'm not sure how you'll take it, but we uh, we know where Earl Earl is, too. <laughs> and for the first time since you've seen Vale, they actually managed to show some emotion. It's just the slightest hint of a smile that if you hadn't traveled with Vale for. <laughs> A significant amount of time before you wouldn't have even recognized. And they say, that's good. That would be fun to cross off my list. (laughs) Okay. I'm very glad that that emotion was happiness. All right. What's, uh, what's going on? What's the plan? Well, I mean, before we can do anything, we have to get out of this room. Vale says, I can handle that. And walks over to the door. This is why I didn't even bother looking for a key. And there. so Vale's arm now, like the side that is missing an arm, it's just like flat and they've had their clothes kind of retailored and where their shoulder, like the arm would come out of the shoulder, there's a pocket. And in that pocket is their thieves tools, like lined up, ready to be used. And they walk oh, over cool. and they pull one out. Remember, if you see like people pick locks in what, in movies, like, one of the picks is always like steady and stays in place, and the other one does the manipulation. So they pick out the one and stick it literally like in their teeth, and then grab the other one. And because they've been doing this for a year now, go about literally picking the lock with their one hand in their teeth. Okay, go ahead and roll for that. Then let's uh, let's do some lock picking here. Roll dex plus whatever bonuses you get for picking locks, which I'm sure is insane. Okay, so Vale's not used to doing this without the stress of the Realm of the Dead, and so they crit failed. What? That's two oh. rolls and two crit fails. I would just like to point that out. I'm following along. Your turn is next, Nate. Now, Uh-oh. I don't know how reliable talent comes into play on this, because it is a one, but reliable, reliable talent, talent says, whenever an ability check that lets you add proficiency and I do have proficiency in Thieves' Tools, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you can treat a d20 of 9 or lower as a 10. But I think uh, 1 is going to be exempt from that based on the way Mm. to roll. No, actually, I think think we're going to have some fun here. Oh, dear. As Vale is in there picking this lock, in a very unique manner, let's just say. Vale, you've been trapped for a long time in the Realm of the Dead. And now that you're finally back, there's just this one door separating you from 
the world at large. So I'm imagining there's a sense of eagerness about this lock picking. And as you're picking it, you're going through, you're feeling the chunks and it is taking, it's taking more time than it should. You're looking at this lock, you know that this isn't master craft work or anything, uh, but something about it is throwing you off. And after, after a minute or so going through, getting more frustrated with it. And finally, there's just this loud metal snapping sound. And at first you think like, great, broke my tools. Uh, and then the door just like slightly opens and you have destroyed this lock. Like It will not <laughs> relock. Nice. That's fun. Which I don't know. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. All I'm saying is there's a portal to the realm of the, to the grayscape in here. So yeah, but all Darwin has to sit, do is pray to Coram and tell him to close it. And that's good. Good. Mm-hmm. Good luck getting Darwin to do that. <laughs> We'll see about that. That's 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 something for another time. Well, not I mean, it could be any time. That's something for any time, but not this exact moment. Any time but this one. Yes. At this exact moment, you open this door and oh, yeah, you've totally just wrecked that lock. You've dealt with enough of them in your time to know, like, no covering my tracks on this one. No keeping other people out or other people in. It's just a door now. Hmm. Exiting your cell. You're met with an unfamiliar sight. The cavern you remember is gone. The walls carved back and covered in dark stone tiles, creating a grand space like the inside of a sphere. An enormous pillar with a stairway carved into it stretches from the floor to the ceiling. At regular intervals, spokes extend outwards to walkways that circle the interior of the room. Each level is lined with barred doors, similar to the one on your own cell. Above each door is a gemstone that gives off a dim light of varying colors. Aside from that, this space is silent. What do you do? Are there any of those doors on the same level that we're on? No. This room is special. It was kept lower than all the others. Or rather, the others were all built higher than the one you were on. Hmm. Do we immediately see a way forward? Out? That giant pillar that I mentioned has a staircase on it spiraling upwards. Sorry. You know you're underground. So. Okay. Unless anybody thinks there's a reason to perceive around this area, I say go forward. Do we think there might be other people locked here? I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's other doors, right? So maybe, I mean, we could knock on them and see what happens. Uh, I just think someone locked us down here, right? So we might need some. Mm-hmm. We could use some reinforcements, is all I'm saying. Yeah, you're probably not wrong. Knock on some doors, see if anybody we answers. I don't know who these prisoners are, though, also. Yeah, they may well, be Well, I'm not suggesting helpful. we just open the door, but we could knock on it and see who's back there. If anybody's back there. Okay. So you want to go check out some of these rooms first? Or at least one of these rooms first? Yes. Okay. Unless anyone's going to stop me. Nope, go for it. Okay. I was the one that suggested it. We're cool. Does that mean the, Darwin's the one doing it? No, I think it sounds like Arnis is the one doing it. Dar- Darwin is just being supportive. Darwin's the idea man here. Apparently. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right, Arnis. If you're the one doing this, then you've got your pick of doors. As you go up this central pillar, you can take any of the spokes off of it to go out to the outer walkways. Find a door. I take the, the first one above where we were. What color is the gemstone glowing over this door? I don't know. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yellow. (laughs) I didn't know if maybe you were just attracted to purple today or not. No, I just picked the first one. Okay. You go up to the door and you knock and there's no response. Hmm. Okay. I'm not going to open it. (laughs) There's a, is there a window in this one? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There sure is. Are you going to look in? There's a little window in all of these doors. Oh, yeah. I guess I can look in. <laughs> As you look inside this room, you see a couple. They have already succumbed to the withering. One of them is lied down on a very simple bed. The other is embracing them as if they were on their knees beforehand and knelt down to hug them before they met that same fate. 
just say that Sicarius is probably handling it with a bit more resilience than others. Mm. Is this the only door on this floor? No, no. There's several doors on each floor, aside from the very bottom. Vale wants to go to the next door. As you go to the next door, next and the next, you see similar scenes. Each of these rooms has a person or a couple or a family who have all fallen to the withering. They are in various poses, some of pain, some of grief, some of anger, some attempting comfort, but none seem to still be, none seem to still be present. They all seem to have fully transformed, fully succumbed to the withering. I, player, need a second to think about what I'm going to do. So if anybody else has thoughts, they can go ahead and (laughs) share them at this point. I mean, it was, it was my intention to kind of check all the rooms to see if anyone needed to be let out. But it seems like. Like they're all dead. Yeah. (laughs) No one else is going to be doing anything in this room or any of the other rooms. No. If anybody wants to explore any of these rooms, there are. Dozens and dozens of them throughout the various levels of this former cavern. I mean, if they're all dead, I don't see much point. I think really after the first floor, Arnus is going to be like, he, he can't. He can't. He just can't. Can't deal with it. And so he's going to not. You said there's dozens of rooms on these floors. Mm-hmm. And there's how many floors? So there's not dozens on each floor. There's dozens overall. Like dozens and dozens okay. overall. There's six floors, including the ground okay. floor. The, they're all the they're all the ground floors. They're all in the ground, mm-hmm. including the bottom floor where you were. There's six. Okay. I want to go back to the first room. And Vale does this Vale does this completely without saying a word. Um mm-hmm. this is gonna be interesting. And I want to attempt this person's kneeling, right? There, there's one kneeling, one on the bed. Yeah. Do you want to go in the room? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, I want to try to get into the room. Okay. Unlike your room, this door was not locked. Cool. You can go right in. Would like to place my good hand, my left hand, on the head of the person who's kneeling, and then using my own weight and leverage, try and throw the body to the ground and shatter it. Uh. Okay, yeah, I think that... <laughs> I remember the deal you made with Corum. I just was not expecting anything so soon and so aggressive. Yeah, you do it. You push this this middle aged elf man down, and shatters on the floor. Not into like a thousand pieces, but several. There's eight or nine pieces on the ground now. The bed that the woman is lying on is it like? Uh, like I would picture a military cot. Is it like a good hefty bed? What does it look like? It's better than a military cot. It's a wooden frame. It's got a mattress on it. They're not like a box spring or anything, but it's decently built. It's something you would probably find in a, like a low to middle class family type situation. You know, it's functional, but it's not decorative. Cool. And it's not going to fall apart within the first year. Um, if no one's going to say or do anything at this point. Uh, um, no, I come running back to the room. Yes, let's let's go back to that. Darvin, Aranis, and Iolana, you all hear a shattering sound from in that room. I'm like, as fast as I can, I'm like in the doorway. Following Aranis. And there's a broken body on the ground there. What? What, what are you doing? This is the price I had to pay. What? You're not the only one who can make a deal with the God of the Dead. Why is he having you smash these people? I didn't ask questions. He told me I could get out if this was part of the deal. I took the deal. Most understanding I got was that he wanted their deaths to be final. Sounds like Coram. Wait, what? My basic understanding was to pare it down after a long conversation, finish what this process started. I figured they're already dead. Simple enough to destroy a statue. Wait, but if they're if they're already dead, why do you have to smash the statue? Aren't they already with Corum? I didn't ask questions. It seemed an easy enough thing to do. They're already dead. You can't kill something that's dead. I just figured I'm just destroying the calcified bodies of the remnants of what was going on. Like, that doesn't make any sense. 
right? Like it it doesn't make any sense for you to have to smash these things if they're already if they're already with Corum. Like why I I don't I'm sorry. I'm not expecting you to understand what a god has asked. Clearly I've made that mistake too, but I didn't see it as making my life any harder. Literally it's the equivalent of I mean that was easy. I just pushed it and it broke. And that's fulfilling my part of my bargain. It was that and send more souls to him. I'll be doing that anyway. But but what mm, I don't say what you're gonna say. I don't I don't have a way to ask it that doesn't sound like I'm batshit crazy because I'm feeling a little batshit crazy right now. Um but what what if there's a way to save them? I wasn't told to try to save them. I was told to make their situation permanent. Yeah, because that's the god of death. What if there's a way to save them? Ernest, the way I look at it, this is the price I had to pay to get out of Coram's realm. I gladly paid it. You can't you can't ask Vale to go back on their word on something they promised Coram. <sighs> Alright, fine. And Arnis just walks away. Quick question. Darwin. Yes. Since you said that, is that is that truly how Darwin perceives it as well? Like this yeah, is the right can... thing to do, or is it just like gotta keep your word? You gotta keep your word, especially when it comes to dealing with the god of death and promises made to escape, you know. Oh. Darwin would simply not mess with that. Okay. Very curious as to where that's set on your moral scale. Because I think Arnus has made it clear. I, I think morally Darwin is um swallowing a lot, but he has been for a while. <laughs> okay. What happens next? So Vale has just smashed one body. Arnus has walked out. That leaves Darwin, you alone in that room there with Vale. What's the plan here? Or what are people doing, I should say? There doesn't need to be a plan, but what are you all doing? Vale doesn't have the uh time or for lack of a better word, armament to be able to deal with all of what's in this building. So the way they see it, they see that first body as like an offering. So they're going to take a moment and not even with the intention of being heard, just like very brief, like one-off silent prayer in their head to Coram just saying like, I understand the task that I've been given. This is the first step on that path. And I will continue as I can to do that and return to this place as soon as I can. Mm -hmm. Not trying to piss Coram off, but like, I've got something else I have to deal with. But I am aware this is a place I need to come back to. Mm -hmm. Unless Darwin's staying here, follow the group wherever the group is going. And then Elon is just a man. This whole situation is just fascinating (laughs) for her. (laughs) Like the group dynamic is just like she's she's gone full anthropologist and is just taking notes and observations and like if they could they'd just be total she'd be totally happy to just be sitting in a bush taking notes on all of this right now. Okay, Arnis or Darvin, what are we doing? I'm walking up the stairs. Sure, I'm following Arnis. Okay, it's a fairly easy climb up. The stairs are wide, they're solid. Excellent craftsmanship here, I guess is the short way of putting it. As you reach the top, you enter into the space that used to be Patches's shop. But that old building is completely gone. In its place is a stone-like foyer. Uh, a reception room, I guess. It is almost completely bare, save for an inscription that is scrawled over the door and around the perimeter of the room in several languages, all the ones that you can identify. There's Elvish, Dwarvish, Draconic, Celestial, Common, Gnomish, and it simply says, Well of Departure. And on the other side of this reception room is a set of large doors, like wide, not necessarily tall, maybe only 10 feet tall, a little less, a little less than 10 feet. But it's a set of double doors, very finely made, keeping out any sign of the outside world once you come in here. There's no one in this room? No, no, no. This is simply, like, I say reception room, but that doesn't mean there's a receptionist. It is like, uh, ooh, 
antechamber. There we go. I know words. It is really just like the place where you come in before you head downstairs. It is meant to give you a moment of privacy. It is meant to um, do what rooms do, keep the weather out, but also to give this place a sense of purpose, a sense of reverence, and a sense of farewell. Are we ready to go out into the city of Capris or? I think so. Because once you go out there, you're in the real world again. We're in the real world. There's. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like the doors to the other rooms downstairs. These doors are not locked. It is not meant to hold anyone in or keep anyone out. And emerging from the well of departure, the world reveals itself to be even more alien. Pools and rivers of water move through the air with their own currents. There is no real shoreline to speak of as most of the ocean now branches into the sky. Terencia, the glamour island, drifts near the docks on a surging column of water. The Driftwood House has been heavily reinforced with stone additions, including a tower nearly 100 feet in diameter and 50 feet tall. The sea has lost all of its sense of comfort and ease and has been replaced with quiet and anxiety. And with that, we'll bring this chapter to a close. But the story will always continue. Thanks again to all of our Patreon patrons for your support. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash Podcast and pick out a level that's right for you. Before we go, I'd like to give special thanks to everyone at the $5 and up tiers. At the $5 City Council level, thank you, Shannon DeMello. At the $10 Mayor level, thank you, Christopher DeMello and Sierra Jones. At the $15 Governor level, thank you, Phoenix Bryan. Thank you for listening to this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. If you want to chat, we're on Twitter at Skyrend Podcast. You can join our Discord server, or you can email us at skyrendpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us online at skyrendpodcast.com. As always, we want to thank Vanessa Blockland for our podcast art. You can find more of her work on Twitter at Art by Vanessa B. And thanks to Daryl Dibber Reckonos for creating our theme music. You can find more of his music at DibberMusic.com and on Twitter at DibberMusic. Dibber spelled D-I-B-U-R. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on Seasons of Skyrim.